Hello and welcome back to the Balanced Garden Podcast. I hope you enjoyed last month's episode and the conversation with my special guest, the rapper and mental resilience trainer, Disraeli. Thanks to everyone who listened and for all the support that you give to the podcast. It keeps them coming. It's been a busy month for me, but I've just about managed to bring you June's episode before July arrives. Inspired by Father's Day a couple of weeks back, I actually asked my father to join me for a chat on this episode, still here. He is Nick Manasseh, a musician, producer and DJ whose song Yes Mike is the soundtrack for this very podcast. I have to admit, it wasn't my original plan for the podcast to be so music-oriented. You may have heard on previous episodes some guests from other fields outside of music, such as the biophilic designer Oliver Heath, storyteller and futurist Ed Gillespie, and environmentalist filmmaker Nina Constable. But I do come from a music background and have had a career in the music industry up until the pandemic. So I do know a lot of musicians and that's just how things have turned out. Before you hear some of the outer ramblings of my father and I, here's a solstice message from Mark Sparrow at Haddon Copse Farm in Dorset. Early on June 21st, in the Northern Hemisphere, we reached the high point of our planet's annual celestial journey around the sun, the longest day and the shortest night, the summer solstice. Here on the farm, we are surrounded by nature's expansive response to the light and the warmth that the solstice brings. The early mornings are greeted with exultant song from blackbirds, thrushes and robins. Bumblebees and honeybees buzz and hum as they feast on nectar and pollen-rich blooms. Butterflies wing lightly from flower to flower, dancing in the sunlight. Trees, hedges, waysides and fields are green with growth and flowers of hawthorn, elder, cow parsley and daisy dot the verdant sea with splashes of brilliant white. For the last couple of weeks, all of nature has been celebrating the height of the sun's powers, relishing days of sunshine and heat, enjoying a full 8 hours 49 minutes more daylight than it will when the sun reaches its nadir at the winter solstice. The word solstice comes via 13th century French from the Latin solstitium, which means point at which the sun stands still. The Earth's tilted axis means that the sun's position on the horizon each morning and evening changes throughout the year, just as it climbs higher and higher in the sky as the solstice approaches. But at the June solstice, the sun reaches its northernmost point in the sky, and for a few days its position does not seem to change. The sun stands still. The ancient people of the British Isles marked this momentary pause in the sun's journey by building circles of stone and wood. They stayed up all night on Midsummer's Eve to welcome and watch the sunrise. They lit bonfires on the tops of hills and by holy wells to honour the sun's strength and carried burning herbs from the bonfire to bless their animals, their homes and farms. 
Take refuge in your senses. Open up to all the small miracles you rushed through, wrote John O'Donoghue. You may have been longing for the lighter evenings throughout the cold, dark days of winter, delighting as the spring brought the promise of more and more light and warmth. Yet if we are not careful, our forward-moving lives with their headlong rush toward the future may propel us past this moment without even noticing it is here. Snow and ice may still be a long way off, but we are already at the turning point, and winter will soon begin to call us from its distant wildness. So walk barefoot in the grass, swim in a river or the sea, get drenched in warm rain, soaked in sunlight, let nature in, or if your circumstances put these sensory pleasures beyond your reach, then let nature inside. Fling open the windows and doors, pull back the curtains, welcome the sounds and smells of summer into your home. Here is a poem Mark included in his special solstice address called The Sun by Mary Oliver. Have you ever seen anything in your life more wonderful than the way the sun, every evening, relaxed and easy, floats toward the horizon and into the clouds or the hills or the rumpled sea and is gone? And how it slides again out of the blackness every morning on the other side of the world, like a red flower streaming upward on its heavenly oils, say on a morning in early summer at its perfect imperial distance. And have you ever felt for anything such wild love? Do you think there is anywhere in any language a word billowing enough for the pleasure that fills you as the sun reaches out, as it warms you, as you stand there empty-handed? Or have you too turned from this world? Or have you too gone crazy for power, for things? Thank you, Mark, for bringing the seasonal celebrations to life for us from the farm. Big up the balance garden massive <laughs> every time. Nick Manasseh says so, yeah. So you are the creator of our Balance Garden podcast soundtrack. Oh, yeah. The, my, one of my yeah. favourite songs um, of all time, Yes, Mike. And so firstly, thank you for My pleasure. allowing us to use that. Yeah. And um, just wondered, you know, where the inspiration came from for Yes, Mike. I can't really say that, you know. I, mm. I, think, I think that's a really hard thing to say. You know, when you're... When I'm working with somebody like Michael, who, who is somebody you know I have a very strong musical communication with. Um, you know, it's it's a nice process. Um, the the kind of mood that you're in, the sort of little feeling that that you've got that day of like, yeah, I want to go in that direction. So you know that 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 tune has got almost like a kind of little, little lover's rock kind of chord progression um and 
uh, it's quite optimistic. Um, what produces that that day? What makes the vibe of the whole thing? Uh, it's really hard to say. Um, the only thing I would say is that when you're working on a track and you're, you're sort of deep in it and that you're trying to um, get somewhere is that a lot of the identity comes when you let go a bit and you just pile some stuff up and you just play, you know, do stuff and something will something will come. That That is the best. It was one of the joys, actually, of recording is that kind of just, you know, just adding a track, adding a track, adding a track, seeing where you get to, taking taking away a bunch of tracks. Think, oh, isn't it great like that? You know, that, that that's a big part of the what creates the mood in a track, you know, parts suggest themselves, mm. you know, it's pretty organic, pretty organic thing, make something Michael can play to, Michael get a, a riff in there on violin, quick. Yeah. And bounce off that. Just do it, don't think yeah. about it too much. So when you had me, yeah, you were only 23 yeah. years old. Yeah. And by the time you had Ruby, my youngest sister, you were, were you 40 when she was born? Yes. And I wondered how the, the experiences of fatherhood compare at those different ages for you. Hmm. <laughs> I, I think no different. No different? No. Not when I'm thinking about that baby young kid routine you know is it time for a snack you know no because i want you to have proper lunch and you know then we'll, we'll go to the park we'll go to the park after lunch you know and then it'll be, it'll be you can watch a program hmm. and, then, and then it's and then i'll do the i'll do the dinner uh and yeah you can have a glass of wine that's, that's, that just exactly and, yeah, that's just exactly the same. Yeah, that's just exactly the same. What is different? Yeah, when Ruby was, was um, young, I remember saying, you know, it's hard to remember these things kind of with a sort of physical, strong memory, but I remember thinking when Ruby was very young that I um, found it more amazing being older. Mm. I could I could um, perceive the kind of wonder in it all more as a, as a more developed person than at 23 and 25, which is how old I was, you know, when I was a dad first time and second time. You had all daughters, no sons. Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, whenever, whenever anybody says that to me, whenever... Somebody, you know, the, the sort of standard response, you know, all, all girls, particularly amongst women, you know, so all, all girls then. And uh, whenever anybody said, um, prompts a kind of auto memory of being in Richmond Park and my dad being the sort of dad in the close, little close where I grew up, being the dad who organised the cricket games in Richmond Park that me and all my mates would um, would go on. He was There was a little period of two or three years when my dad was really on that, mm. organising activities for the kids. We, he also used to make a little fire 
out the back in the woods behind our the little woods behind our house and he'd make a fire and that he'd make um uh, kind of yeah a dough of some sort and we'd sort of like make um I don't quite what you call them sort of muffins or something <laughs> not on a fire kind of thing they're probably not like, really horrible yeah <laughs> but um yeah well, yeah. I guess he'd had two daughters and then and then a son seven years later. So yeah. he was probably really He was probably chucked really to get boy, yeah. But I always sort of think oh, I couldn't do the cricket thing. You know, the, no. the cricket thing would be a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> do you what if you if you had had a boy, what kind of activities can you imagine? FX models. Airfix models. For sure. Yeah, why didn't you do it? Why, <laughs> I tried. Why not with us? I tried. Were we not interested? I tried. One birthday, <laughs> you, you expressed an interest in wanting quite a kind of proper model motorbike and rider, like a sort of action man. But, I, I got that. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Um, and, but I, yeah, I thought, you know, look, how long is this going to last? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Were you thinking if she's still into like motorbikes, then, then then I'll get her a, a fast moving situation? You know, <laughs> I now know that's another thing I now know as a father is how quickly it all goes. Mm. You know, I always say that to you know people when they when they've got you know look in you know enjoy the kind of two three four bit because it you know it goes quick. Do you think that? You didn't realise that at the time, or you? No, I think slow. I think with Ruby, I was more aware of it. I knew that because, um, but I think when you were little, yeah, I didn't know. That. I just thought that was it for eternity. You know, it was kind of getting pl- plasticine, <laughs> sort of <laughs> stuck on all my effects units in the studio <laughs> or something. Like that. <laughs> um, it's just forever be like that. But but no, it, it goes well. I guess when. You, the younger you are, the longer time does seem to go on for even early, you know, even in your early 20s, it's like years seem to last a bit yeah. longer. They, they speed up. Um, Massively, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, of course, that is the eternal thing, isn't it? I suppose, the, 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 you know, the closer to your, you know, your mortality you are, then the more precious time seems and the more precious something it is the more precious something is the more quickly uh, you'll consume it hmm well that's a that's a bit of a problem you know if you're talking about finite resources well yeah, yeah that's what ecology is all about isn't it you know yeah. So, yeah just because you know we're worrying about we're not we're not we're not really worrying too much about you know i don't know um things that aren't going to run out things that aren't going to run out yeah do you think that the more conscious yeah, we, we are not... of things running out the more the, the quicker we sort of use them well the quicker we seem to use them mm. yeah it's, it's, it's a nature of sort of the nature of value, isn't it? It's in the nature of because things are more precious if they are finite or if there there's a scarcity. I mean, the only real system of value is barter, isn't it? It's is is like well, I want I want a nectarine, 
and um, I'll, I'll give you this bike pump for the for the nectarine. And the nectarina's only worth as much as you a value as you ascribe to it. It's sort of a it. street estimate, isn't it? So well, okay, I reckon the bike pump, if it's a good bike pump, it's probably worth ten nectarines. Really, how many nectarines is a bike a bike pump worth? If you're trying to buy nectarines of somebody with a limited supply of nectarines, and you're standing <laughs> in front of a pile of bike pumps, your the value of the bike pump is undermined, isn't it? Yeah, the vet nectarines are worth Psychologically. more. Psychologically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. The less time you have, the more precious it is. So the older you get, mm. the more precious time becomes and the faster it goes because mm. we use we use it more when it's running out. Well, it's not about whether we use it, it's about how we perceive that we use it. Yeah. We were talking earlier about what the pandemic has done to time and the ways that time passes and the way we mark time the structures that mark time and how radically they've changed how quickly we've got used to that change and also what it's what it's actually shown me about other sides of my personality that I didn't actually know were there I think like what like I've realized that the kind of busy hectic like um constantly active chatty part of me Mm. isn't who I am entirely Mm. and actually being slow and being quiet and all the qualities that I've not nurtured because I've not been in a in an environment that nurtures those qualities. I've been in an environment that nurtures constant activity mm. and interaction. Mm. It's, the, it's the dual nature of life that, for me, that on the one hand, I often say that I'm only really happy when it's all just going bonkers and I'm so busy that I can't I can't think and then that's when I'm just acting on you know quick instincts and not really thinking too much and just doing the stuff that you have to do but I also thought that that was that that, that was when I was happiest when everything was kind of going bonkers and with Disraeli on the last episode we I think that's what we mean by task positive network when your brain is switched into doing rather than default mode network when you're switched into thinking and definitely too much of that and too much introspective reflection can well certainly I remember when uh, you were younger and we moved out of London I remember noticing that when we got Schultz, the collie, that I would take him out for these great big long walks and I always used to set out for the walk and think, right, I'm going to decide what to do about this or that. And I always noticed every time that I'd be two miles into a walk and I wasn't thinking about anything at all. Mm. Not 
a bit, you know, I had just walked along going, oh, that leaf there, and then the, the one over there, <laughs> and then, then sort of picking one, and then obviously, of course, the thing that you do very quickly is you learn that, you, that there's abundance of that, you know, is there, you're going to pick apples and blackberries and got you know god knows whatever you can find you know what i mean so you go out with a whole great big carrier bag and so that would be an in, a, entire meditation on its own just the act yeah. of picking blackberries when you find a good slope yeah you know is yeah i remember yeah i remember you coming back with <laughs> bags of <laughs> really excited Going from being, you know, living in the heart of Brixton, kind of constantly surrounded yeah. by by people, and then to to the top of a hill, just going for hours and hour long walks. Yeah. And how quickly we can adapt to those changing environments is is what's interesting, and what we think was normal, and what we think was how we most liked things to be mm. when they suddenly stop being that way mm. it's pretty fast that you know you can think actually I quite like things not being like they were mm. and I like them being like this <laughs> mm. and you don't know until it happens I, I guess we're also now having to deal with the prospect of it being less changed than it than it has been but still not not quite, maybe never back to how it was yeah. before. We were talking about um, how the marking of the year has changed. Yeah. And, and how in our, right. in our world the year had come to be marked by like sort of festivals and then... Yeah, what kind of things were structuring people's lives before all this happened... Yeah, I th I think um, I was quite zoned into some seasonal rhythm to my year with obviously the the festival thing happening. This is something that that it just really took off in the in the in the beginning of the two thousands that the sort of the festival summer became the kind of the big thing again. I guess it hadn't really been like that since the early 70s or something you know there'd always been a hardcore of people who went to festivals but it wasn't like it became you know the effect of the of, of two years of no festivals is for people in you know music is pretty pretty mega definitely last summer was 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 really notably like weird and vacant you know quiet and now I'm quite used to it. So this summer solstice, I haven't felt that sort of restlessness as much as I did last year when there was literally nothing. I can't remember last year's summer solstice. I, I did notice it this time, though. There was a little poignant moment. This, this June 21st just gone earlier on in the week. Um, well, nothing much is going on. But yeah, I still managed to go out to the park and walk around the walled garden and I was like did you you had a solstice moment oh yeah yeah it's full you know see I don't like the solstices this is what I've realized in fact I don't like the solstices the solstices are the worst time of the year 
what I like is the equinoxes because I'm a Libra and I want everything to be in balance. And at the two equinoxes, that's when I'm at my happiest. So I'm thinking at my studio, um, I've, I've had this issue that to get air conditioning or not to get air conditioning. I always plan for not getting it because I was thinking, well, look, it's a couple of weeks a year and, you know, so I sort of resign myself to that. They kind of have like, you know, probably about a week or maybe two weeks in a year where I either have to go in in the evening or just not work. Yeah. And um, when it's great is the equinoxes. It's the opposite yeah. of the solstices. <laughs> They're fantastic. They're when everything's in balance. You know, you yeah. get the sort of even length of the day, don't you? Presumably, I mean... Equal night equinox. Right. We started the podcast Equinox. Off. Very good. That's great. I'm having, yeah, Equinox, my favourite time of year. Yeah, you're right. The solstices are where things are at their most extreme, where usually the summer solstice is about full pelt, like Glastonbury, the highest point yeah, of the summer. Yeah, it's the most sort of energetic point of the year, if, you, if you, that, that kind of... It has been. The calendar that you're talking about. Yeah, that, oh, yeah, that calendar. But yeah. this year, for the first time, I really felt like this is the time to stay still. I, you know, I find um, sort of extreme heat and, you know, the, the summer, is this, the deep summer and the deep winter just are quite problematic for me, actually. I think quite difficult. Regardless, I, I don't really, I can't confess to getting a sort of particular sort of thing of like, oh, the year is halfway through or kind of, you know, and yet, you know, we were talking before about how how we how we mark the sort of the passage of the year. In fact, the first lockdown was just before bud break, wasn't it? It was before yeah. the. You you. I was looking at a completely dead, or dead looking branchless, uh, bush, on the, in a garden next next to mine, and um, over the course of the first lockdown, I just watched these shoots emerge, and then eventually the uh, the yellow flowers appear. Um, and I was, wow, I'd never noticed that there was a yellow bush that was at the bottom of my, you know, the, in my, the view from my bedroom window. And uh, I followed this bush through the season and, uh, and then it came and went. And then just a few weeks ago, suddenly it's back in flower again. And you think, yeah, okay, the year is a, a real thing. You know, it has some, um, a little sort of reconnecting with, that I would never have noticed before, that thing that I would never have, you know, really clocked it.
thank you to my father, Nick Manasseh, for coming on the podcast and all the other support. You can find his most recent releases and the rest of the Manasseh Meets Praise LP, which includes the soundtrack to this podcast, at rootsgarden.bandcamp.com, as well as all the other major streaming platforms. He also hosts the Soul Revivers radio show on Worldwide FM every third Saturday of the month, when you can hear the best of new and old Roots Reggae and Dub. For the links to all these places and his social media, head to the blogcast where I publish the show notes for every episode at balancegarden.co.uk. I find it's often the extremes of life that hold me captive whether physically or emotionally, in joy, in sorrow, in fear, or in a whirlwind of all these feelings and some. Many of my most treasured and troubling memories are characterised by these extremes, which can make things so memorable. Sometimes the balance just cannot be kept. The scales tip and things can feel a little out of control but the reality is that they never really were in control. It's only our ability to control our response to the chaos that comes and goes, and sometimes the only thing to do is to accept the chaos and trust that the calm will follow the storm, even if only momentarily, when the ground smells like warm rain and the pressure in the air has lifted. Breathe it in, breathe it out. Whilst much of the world seems to be running to catch up with itself, racing towards a line in the sand across which things can go back to how they were, before life as we knew it was swept away by the tides of a global pandemic. And in some ways I hope they can. But I also hope we can remember that there was and is time to pause, to slow down and just be. The world as it was, the pace at which we travelled through it, is not one we may all want to or be able to go back to. It might be different. It might have changed. You might have changed. And that's okay. Rather than going back to normal, let's keep moving forward. Because even though change and the extremes that bring it can be sudden and scary, Things change slowly as well as quickly, if only we can slow down enough, often enough, to notice and to see the garden grow. Thank you for listening to the Balanced Garden Podcast which is written and produced by me, Tiger Lily Raphael, and co-produced by me, Jasmine Pradhan. Thank you to our guests. You can find pictures of them and links to everything featured in this episode, as always, in the blogcast at balancegarden.co.uk, including the soundtrack, Yes Mike, from the Manasseh Meets Praise LP, produced by my father, Nick Manasseh, and licensed by Roots Garden Records. I hope you found this month's podcast helpful and if you'd like to you can support it while supporting yourself 
with online yoga classes or through our Patreon page. I'll be back next month, so until then, live well and enjoy. Balanced Garden is a well-living space that bridges the world inside and outside. We offer seasonal reflections, recipes and practices through a podcast, blog, yoga and meditation to support healthy relationships with our bodies, minds, each other, nature and all the spaces in between.